0: Morning. But before I uh, go into the message, I just, um, for those who are, who are new to Arena Church, uh, we, we have great joy in, in welcoming all kinds of, of people uh, to the church. Doesn't matter where you come from, whatever your background is, whether you feel like you're religious, whether you feel like you're righteous or not, ri- not righteous or not religious, you're very welcome. And um, we also like to welcome older people and also young people, and we've probably got the youngest um, one in today. It's the first time in, and so we've got, I'm just looking for uh, Isaac here, Imogen's little boy. Am I able to take him in my hands and just show him? Can I just take him for a moment? He's a, he's a very sweet little, little boy here, and it's what we do here. I've got him. There we go. Okay. OK, everybody says when I do this, I'm like the Lion King, just showing off the little the little. Uh... This is an image, by the way, I'm not passing it back to mom. OK, this is mom over here. But we're we're joyed to be able to welcome Isaac. And what a great name. Um, I would say that because that's my son's name as well. Um, but it really is a great joy to welcome him here today. So what do you say on Easter Sunday? Well, for me, one of the things that I've been reflecting on is how this, for me, is the greatest weekend in the whole of the calendar. I have to say, even tops Christmas for me. Um, And I was thinking about great days. I was thinking about memorable dates. Memorable dates. Memorable dates. interesting that John just said to me about the football, and then he says, "But it wasn't as good as the 1966 win." And it was Pam who said he went, he hasn't seen it; it's not old enough. Because I wasn't old enough; I wasn't even born. I know you find that hard to believe when you're looking at me, but I've seen the match. I've seen it. You know, on, on, I've got it on DVD. Actually, memorable days. Memorable days that when England won the World Cup. Memorable days when. Um, yeah, here we are. We've got, some, we've got some slides here of just different memorable days. Memorable days of when, not always necessarily good days, but when those who were old enough, they saw the shooting of JFK, or it may have been, I remember the release of Nelson Mandela. I remember uh, Band-Aid and Live Aid. Can you remember that with all the concerts that ran? Anybody remember the 2012 Olympics that happened? And how awesome it was. I mean, we smashed it, didn't we? England smashed it in terms of the spectacular event that we put on. Absolutely awesome. Just memorable days that will live in our memory banks forever. But there's also memorable days that you may have that are personal to you. It could be, unfortunately for some of you, the loss of a loved one, a mum or a dad. It always sticks in my mind. My mum's here today. and I always remember the day... We were very close to my grandma, my nonna. I remember the day when she died. It was, it was Christmas Eve. And I always remember it. It will always live in me. Every time we come to Christmas Eve, I'll always remember her. She, had a, she, she played, I think she prayed for us, all of the family. And I think, I, I, I have to say this, I think I'm a result of some of those prayers that are here today. You know, I'm here today. And they'll live in my mind. It's not necessarily a great day, but it's a memorable day. It will always be a memory to me. I remember the day when I married Caroline. 24 years this year. I got that right, didn't I? That was smooth, wasn't it? No, no. I remember the day when we married. I remember the day when we knew we were having our first baby. I remember every single one of our babies when they'd been born and the joy that it brought to our hearts Remember the day when we arrived in this church. Lots of memorable days. Lots of significant days for me. Lots of days that you can remember both good and not so good. But I want to talk about this moment, in this moment, not just a memorable day, but the greatest day. The greatest day. I, uh, there's a beer advert into it that says probably the best lager in the world. the world. I'm not here to promote beer or lager or alcohol. Probably. I want to say this was not probably the greatest day. This is the greatest day in the whole of the history of mankind. And when I use the word greatest, I think very, we have to be very careful with words. I, I like using the word awesome a lot. People have said to me, you know, yeah, i am got to keep using it. Just, it's just what I do. It's not even the Americanism I just use it. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's brilliant. But when I use the word greatest, it really is the greatest day. Because the word greatest means that it's greater than all others. It's greater than all It's more superior than all others. It's better than all other days. It wasn't just a great day. This was the greatest day. In the whole of mankind, you may say, what are you talking about? Well, we had... Good Friday, which was the darkest day in history. And then the Bible, it actually records that darkness descended upon the day in the, in, the, in the light of day. Darkness. Tombs were shaken. Creation was groaning. There was a sense of what is happening here. It was a dark, dark day. And the day that God the Father turned His back on the Son, because that's what happened. He was rejected not just by men but by the Father, as he carried the sins of the world. It was the darkest day, friend. it was the darkest day, and everybody thought that was it. The disciples ran, they thought it 's finished it 's over. The Romans thought that they 'd done what they needed to do. The Pharisees thought we 've won, but I want to say there was a day coming wasn 't too far away. It was the Sunday when the king of glory, who was laid in a tomb, rose. From the grave. We went from the darkest day to the greatest day. To the greatest day in all of mankind. You see, Christmas is the promise and Easter is the proof. And the Easter story is pivotal to Christian faith. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. If he was just laying in a tomb, there was no hope. But he didn't just stay in the tomb as Josh has already recorded. The Bible records he is not here. He has risen from the grave. And because he lives, we too can now live. We can live in this life and we can live in a life to come. There is eternity, friend, for every single one of us. There is an eternity to come. And we choose where we're going to spend it. And Jesus has paid the price when he rose from the grave. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated sin. So you could spend eternity if you would receive this message. Accept this message into your heart. Some people say to me about the resurrection, they say, Christian, what are you getting all steamed up about? I mean, do you really believe that stuff? Yeah, I do. Confidently. Some say, well, the resurrection has a few options. I've jotted them down here. Firstly, some people may say, and you may be one of them, and I respect your opinion, I really do. I would say, I, you're wrong. But you would say, I'm wrong. But the first option that some people come across when they think about the resurrection, they say, well, actually, he didn't really die. It was a form of resurrection. There was a resuscitation that took place. My comment to that is, really? Really? What about the body? Did he just vanish? Uh, uh, sh- clearly, the Romans would have had a, uh, a good... Pontius Pilate would have slapped to bits the Roman soldiers if they didn't do their job properly because what were they meant to do when they hung upon a cross? He was there to what? To die. So surely somebody's in some big trouble if it wasn't really a proper resurrection. The second thought That people have about the, 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 the body not being there and the resurrection is well, the disciples actually stole the body. Again, my answer to that is really, you may know, say, Well, why are you saying it like that? Well, these disciples, the Bible records, were running scared, they got out of there, they scalped quick, they didn't want any bother. Yes. They just wanted out of there. They didn't even want to be represented with this Jesus because they knew if they was represented with him, then they too might be in trouble. So they ran scared. So why on earth would they want to get involved in something that they were running away from? Do we have some police uh, investigators here? Not that they're investigating you, but we have some poli- ex policemen and policemen here. And if they was, if they was, you know, with their with their policeman hat on, they 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 they, they would be investigating this. Really, really carefully, and, 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 and they, they, won't, they wouldn't necessarily be, you know, l- looking for people who were running scared, you know, from it. They, they would be looking for people who were, who, were, who were connected to it, you understand? And the, the, these, these disciples were scared. The third thing is, some people say, well, the disciples were de- deceived and deluded. Yeah, that's an interesting one. But I have to say this, all of them There were hundreds who saw Jesus alive. Hundreds. So they were all deceived and deluded. You may say, well, actually, they weren't deceived and deluded. They were devious. But let me ask the question here. Would people who were deceived and deluded or devious, actually trying to live out a lie, would they keep up the lie in the end and be tortured to death for the lie? Because that's what happened to many of them. Many of them themselves were tortured and hung hung upon cross for the sake of this Jesus. Now the Bible says something very very clear about what happened at resurrection, and this is what it records in Matthew and uh, sorry Mark in chapter sixteen and verse one through to seven. Josh has read it from Matthew. All of the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John account this story, and it reads. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they may go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone which was very large had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen from the grave. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The Bible declares confidently, positively, clearly, and honestly... That he is not here, but he is risen from the grave. I love this story. When I, every time I read this, this I, I think of this story. There was a little five-year-old whose name was Brian. And he had a pivotal part in an Easter program, school play. And his pivotal part, part was to read the verse, He is not here, he is risen. Unfortunately, he couldn't remember what to say. And the director had to quietly remind him of his line. He then confidently grabbed the microphone and triumphantly shouted, He is not here. He's in prison. (laughs) I want to say, He's not in prison. He is risen. He is risen. And there are three things that I want to say very quickly from this story that I just want you to receive. I'm, I'm, I'm aware there are people who are going through the waters of baptism and I'll bring reference to that as I just make mention of of this message. Because the three things that I want to say about this from Mark chapter 16 and this account of Jesus rising from, ra- raising from the dead and the tomb being emptied. The first thing is this. This message needs announcing. Everybody say announcing. announcing. This message needs announcing. I was... Um, in, in the studios of BBC Derby, Radio Derby, again, on um, Tuesday. And uh, I, I go there, and I don't like what they call it, but they call it the loudmouths. It's like a current affairs. You bring thought to it. And, and I really don't like the thought of being a loudmouth. I really don't. Um, but I was there, but I knew full well we weren't going to get to the stories. You're only literally given half an hour to prepare, and they can hit you with anything. And uh, so it's always a little bit of a, oh, God, help me kind of moment. But I knew as soon as I woke up in the morning, the stories were not going to be those stories that possibly they were looking to give to us, but actually they were going to be talking about all that was happening and unfolding in Brussels. Remember the story. Remember what's been happening in, in, in the news. And the, the, the presenter was announcing what was happening. I want to say the angel was announcing what, God had done at the, at the cross and at resurrection morning. He announced he is not here, he is risen from the grave. And this message, this message church, if I can speak to those who belong to the church of Jesus Christ, needs announcing. I don't know whether anybody saw the battle for Christianity during this week. He was on, I think, a Monday night. And they were, there, was a, they were, there, was, there was a lot, of, it was very, very good in parts, But there was this whole thought of there is a battle for Christianity and the message. Some people wanted to dilute the message. I want to say this message needs declaring. It doesn't need anything added to it. It doesn't need anything taken from us. It just needs announcing pure and simple. Pure and simple. And we need to announce the gospel message. I honestly believe, friend, today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, this gospel message has the potential to change your life for the good. For the God. And this message needs announcing. There was a great minister, British minister, by the name of W.E. Sankster. And he began to lose his voice and mobility in the 1950s. In fact, he had a disease that called progressive muscular atrophy. He recognized the end was near, so he threw himself into writing and praying. And in the midst of his suffering, he pleaded... Let me stay in the struggle, Lord. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general, but give me a regiment to lead. Sangster's voice eventually failed completely, and his legs became useless. And on Easter morning, just a few weeks before his death, he took a pen and shakily wrote his daughter a letter. And in it he said, It is a terrible, it is terrible to wake up on an Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout. He is risen. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout it. I want to say this message, this gospel message needs announcing. The second thing is it needs accepting. Because we see in verse 7 and verse 8. Where it talks about, but go, go." tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee There you will see him, just as he told you. For them to go, they had to accept this message. For them to go, they had to accept this message, and then they remembered the words that had been spoken to them. They accepted the message of the angel. They accepted the message of Jesus. They remembered this message. You see, if we're going to be people who not only announce the message, we must first accept the message. I'm very grateful, I think there may be nine people this morning, there's a nine, nine people this morning who have accepted the message of Jesus Christ, let me say baptism is not about being perfect, baptism is about beginnings, none of these people if you've come to see them you may say well what are they doing, now? I know what they were doing yesterday or today or even this morning, you understand that, none of us are perfect, you're not looking at a perfect man on this stage, if there was looking for a perfect man to preach the message there wouldn't be one, well there was one, his name was Jesus and they put him on a tree there's nobody else who's been perfect in the world. None of us. All have sinned. All have messed up. All of us. But what happens is that people receive Jesus and they recognize that Jesus is their savior. They recognize they're making a mess of things on their own. And they say, I'm going to turn my life over to Jesus. I'm going to ask him to just come in and guide me and lead me and walk with me. And this is what's happened. There are some people today, nine people, who have saying, Not only. We want to announce it, but we've accepted it. Yeah. We've accepted this message. The Bible's very clear. It says, Repent, which is just basically about turn from where you were going, where you were walking, and turn the other way. So they were walking their own way. They were doing their own thing. There was, many of them were strutting their own stuff, thinking they're all right, two fingers to the world, and Jesus invades their life. And they know that they need Jesus, and they about turn and follow Jesus. They're announcing it. They've accepted it. And it's this wonderful gift of salvation. I love what Michelangelo, that great artist painter, said this. On one occasion, Michelangelo, the great artist, turned on his fellow artists in a spirit of indignation. And he said, why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures on the one theme of Christ in his weakness? Christ on the cross. And most of all, Christ hanging dead. Why do you concentrate on the passing episode as if it were the last work? As if the curtain dropped on him with disaster and defeat. That dreadful scene lasted a few hours. But to the unending eternity, Christ is alive. The stone has been rolled away and he rules and reigns and triumphs. There was an accepting of the resurrection in its entirety. The darkest day and the greatest day. And as we announce and as we accept, this leads us, lastly, to adoring. Adoring. It's an old word. To adore. To love. To worship. To honor. If I can say to you, this is just from a bloke, simple bloke, who grew up in Mansfield and haven't got anything to shout about. Anything that you'd look on, you think, oh, he's, you know, a brilliant mind or, you know, brilliant to this or brilliant to that. There's nothing, I'm just normal. I'm just trying to sh- show my humanity, just, just normal. And that's why I'm in awe that Jesus would be bothered with somebody like me. And I'm not being unkind here. I'm sure there's some very sharp minds, some very clever people. There's many of them in this church, brilliant people. But on the other side, there's nobody really of, like, royalty or no celebrity here. Or We're just normal people. Yeah. We're in a normal town. I love this town. I love this area. Glad for it. Thankful for it. We need to pray for it more and speak well of it. Yeah. We really do. I'm just normal. But I'm in awe that Jesus would be bothered with somebody like me and someone like you. Let me... And let me say, what it leads me to is just want to adore him. To just love him. To just be grateful to his amazing grace that has washed over my life. Do I still get it wrong? Yeah, you, you better believe it. Less so, because I'm on a journey. And we need to go on the journey. But it leads me to the place of adoring him. I want to just leave you with this thought just for a moment around adoring him. Because there was one who adored him, and his name was Thomas. And he may be very much like where you are today. Thomas gets a lot of bad press. And the bad press is because he was a doubter. He doubted that Jesus was really alive. And the problem was this. His friends, the other disciples, had seen Jesus, but he'd missed it. Isn't that awful when you, 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 somebody said, did you see that? No, oh, you've missed it, sorry. It's, it's an awful thing, isn't it? When you, you just, where was it? Or you know? oh, did you see that person who you really loved? No, oh, they're just, oh. And that was a little bit like that. Thomas was not in the right place at the right time. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He just wasn't around. And he'd missed the coming of Jesus. And he actually turned to the disciples. So they were all excitedly saying, we've seen Jesus. He's alive, he's risen. And they said, unless... I can see the hands, put my fingers through it. Unless I can touch his sides where he was was cut and bruised, I'm not going to believe. About a week later, they're all together. And Jesus appeared to them. He turns to Thomas and says to him, Do you now want to put your fingers through my hands? And, And this is Thomas' response. Thomas said... My Lord and my God. At that moment, his doubt had gone. He went from a place of doubt to a place of adoration. My Lord and my God. I've accepted this message. I'm announcing this message. And that leads me to a place of adoration where I just want to say listen, guys. I love this God. I love this Jesus. I can't help but telling you can try and put a gag around me. You can do whatever you want. You aren't going to silence me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're not going to silence me. They might want to try and silence me. You might want to try and silence me today. I'm not going to be silenced. This Jesus, he is alive. He is not here. He is risen from the grave. And he is the one who I love. He is the one who I worship. And this is the one that everyone who go through the waters of baptism, like I said, may not be perfect, but that is their story. And that is the one who they want to announce. And he's the one that they love. I wonder if we'd bow our heads for a moment in prayer.